0: You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins for Tuesday, February 23rd. I'm Portia Cook, your news director, and myself along with Assistant News Director Lise Empel are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, you will hear what to expect during Holocaust Awareness Week in Campus News with Lise Empel. And after a handful of route suspensions, Transfer at Fort Collins is adding one critical route back in. Find out which route and more with me in local news. Stay tuned for national news with Zempel as he gives you some important updates on President Biden's student loan forgiveness. And with that, let's move right into campus news with Lee Zempel.
1: I'm Lee Zempel reporting your campus news. February 24th to March 4th is Holocaust Awareness Week at CSU, and in the next couple of days there will be multiple events held on campus, including a talk from a survivor. Sarah Moses was just 7 years old when she was liberated from the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp in 1945. She survived multiple concentration camps as a child and is now 84 years old. She will be visiting the Laurie Student Center Grand Ballroom to share her experiences tomorrow, which is Wednesday, March 1st, at 7 p.m. If you missed out on any of the events this week, Moses' keynote and other events are still free and open to get involved in. The Litany of Martyrs, where volunteers take turns reading the names of victims who died in the Holocaust, started on Monday and will be happening every day at the LSC Plaza or Flea Market until Thursday. On Friday, there will be a memorial and a walk to remember at the plaza, starting at 1. If you want to learn more about the events, you can visit the Students for Holocaust Awareness website, which is holocaust.calostate.com. An important transport route that connects CSU to the South Transit Center resumed service on Monday. Route 19 is a key service for students who need to travel along Shield Street and Harmony Road, and it's been closed since August last year because of staff shortages. Other routes have seen reduced hours for the same reason, but in an interview with CSU Source, Interim Transport Director Kaylee Zeisel said that staffing levels are slowly improving, but they still don't have the numbers they need to operate fully and might need to reduce service levels again. For now, Route 19 will be running once an hour from 6.45 in the morning to 7.15 at night every weekday. To stay up to date with changes or alerts to any routes that are important to you, you can get email or text notifications in real time by going to ridetransport.com slash subscribe. That's all for Campus News. I'm Lee Zimpel. Up next, Portia Cook has your local news.
0: In local news, after a handful of bus route suspensions, the city of Fort Collins' Transport is resuming service on Route 19 as of Monday, February 19th. Route 19 operates along Shield Street and Harmony Road between the Campus Transit Center and the South Transit Center, which stops near Front Range Community College. Service on this route was suspended on August 15th, 2022, as part of other system reductions due to staff shortages. Interim Transport Director Kaylee Ziesel told the city of Fort Collins, quote, We understand that Route 19 provides a critical service for the community and students attending school along this corridor. Ziesel went on to say that while staffing is slowly starting to improve, staffing levels are still at 80 percent of their operation staff level, meaning a reduction of service levels in the future is still possible. For now, Route 19 will operate once per hour, Monday through Friday, between 6.45 a.m. and 7.15 p.m. with the following schedule. For the northbound route, first departure from STC at 6.45 a.m. and the last departure at 6.45 p.m. And for the southbound route, the first departure from CTC at 7.15 a.m. with that last departure being at 7.15 p.m. Other routes still affected by service suspensions or reduction include routes 2, 6, 7, 8, 11, 12, 16, Horn, and Max. In other news, it is all hands on deck when it comes to helping people, and one Colorado veteran is taking his helping hands to Ukraine. When the war in Ukraine began, Fort Collins veteran John Geller jumped right into action. And a year later, he is still helping by sending a mobile vet clinic to Ukraine to provide free medical care to pets. Geller has a local nonprofit called Street Dog Coalition that provides free medical care to pets of people experiencing homelessness. In March of 2022, Geller set up a vet clinic tent on the Ukrainian-Romanian border. It offered pet vaccinations, pet passports, and anything else needed to ensure families and their furry friends could travel safely. Today, Geller, in connection with the group Worldwide Vets, have launched a mobile vet site to offer medical care and more to pets in Ukraine. More information on the Street Dog Coalition and ways to donate can be found by visiting the thestreetdogcoalation.org. In other local news, after more than 50 years of service, the Larimer County landfill is almost at the end of its life. As of today, the landfill is projected to reach capacity by the close of 2024. In light of the significant change, the city of Fort Collins has been working closely with regional partners like Larimer County, Loveland, Estes Park, and Wellington to plan for the long-term future of waste disposal and resource recovery infrastructure in Northern Colorado. After several years of careful analysis and stakeholder input, a new infrastructure is planned including Resource recovery facilities for yard waste, food waste, and construction debris, as well as a convenient trash drop-off site for residents and trash haulers, upgrades to the existing recycling center, and a new landfill in the northern part of the county. All of the proposed new facilities except for the new landfill will be built adjacent to the current landfill located near South Taft Hill Road and West Trilby Road in Fort Collins. The new landfill will be built on a section of county-owned land in northern Colorado near Rawhide Energy Station and west of I-25. Additional information on the new facilities as well as project updates can be found by visiting larimer.gov/solid-waste/waste-shed. And that is all for your local news. Up next, find out how you can enjoy a two-course dinner for two for just $25 in events news with me after the break.
2: The program is supported by Washington's, supporting live and local music in Fort Collins. Upcoming shows include Jay Boog with special guest Likely Jordy on Friday, March 3rd. Tickets and info at washingtonsfoco.com.
0: Events news save the date because Great Plates of Downtown Fort Collins is back. From March 1st through March 14th, Downtown Fort Collins' award-winning dining promotion and fundraiser for the Food Bank of Laramore County returns for its 18th year. Great Plates of Downtown is a celebration of the downtown dining community and features 48 participating restaurants serving up breakfast, lunch, and dinner and all-day menu specials for $25 and a la carte items for just $2.50. So, how does it work? Well, participating in Great Plates is pretty easy. You can start by checking out the Great Plates of Downtown restaurant guide found at greatplatesofdowntown.com. Then, pick the restaurant or restaurants you want to dine at, and when you arrive, tell your server you want to participate in Great Plates of Downtown. After enjoying a delicious meal, you can then consider leaving a donation that will go towards the Larimer County Food Bank. While there are 48 participating restaurants in Great Plates, some restaurant highlights include Comet Chicken, which is offering a one-course meal for four people for $25. Restaurant 415 is offering a three-course dinner for two for $25. And the Rio Grande, who is also offering a three-course dinner for two for $25. For the full restaurant guide of this year's Great Plates, you can again visit that greatplatesofdowntown.com. You know, I am a Fort Collins native and all of my years here, I have yet to experience great plates, especially with that Rio Grande who's offering that three-course dinner. Sounds like something I will definitely be participating in this year. Up next, here from KCSU's Bailey Liverman, as she sits down with Sean Swain of the Kitchen Dwellers to talk about all things music and more.
3: Nice to meet you. I'm Bailey from KCSU. We are the CSU radio station so how are you like how's it going how's everything how's life
2: everything is great you know we uh we just kind of for the last year or uh you know under just a little under a year we've been touring off the wise river album now um yeah for sure and i think you know a lot of cool things have come to fruition in that time and uh we're we really have a lot of cool opportunities ahead of us and uh as long as I don't crash on the ice today, everything is pretty good in that respect. Um, we're, yeah. we, uh, we're we're gearing up for our winter tour here with Lindsay Liu. Uh This starts on Friday here in Bozeman. And uh, a bunch of those shows are already sold out. And a bunch of them are on their way to selling out. And even our spring tour is starting to look that way. So that's all pretty exciting. It's hard to it's hard not to be stoked on that.
3: Yeah, for sure. I saw you guys... Um... We're here in Fort Collins. Uh, I saw you guys play at the Aggie last January. It was a really great show. Or really, yeah, that shows. was
2: a good. That was a really fun run of shows. I remember that, and that was the first time uh, we had had Daniel Donato's band out with us. And those guys became good friends fast. And that was an amazing band to tour with through uh, through the mountains of Colorado. There that week. Yeah, they
3: were sw- they were sick too. That was such a good show.
2: Yeah, um, they're incredible musicians.
3: For sure, uh, have I have heard from other interviews that you described Wise River as not being a bluegrass album? Uh, can you tell me more about that and some of the influences coming like into that album compared to some of your earlier albums?
2: Yeah, so Wise Wise River is is, um, in a in a large sense a collection of songs that we all put together when we were. At home during the pandemic, uh, a lot of those songs were written uh, right in that time period when we were taken off the road. So I would say that there, in a in a greater sense, there's a kind of a lack of out so a bunch of outside influence going on it because we were all just at our houses. So mm-hmm. each songwriter's uh, individual backgrounds come out quite a bit in that one, and really hardly anybody comes from a, a true bluegrass background out west it's just hard to find i mean because it's really it's not where roots bluegrass is mm-hmm. so all of us kind of come from different backgrounds being that you know toren grew up loving and playing a lot of punk rock music but he grew up on a ranch so his family comes from like old-time cowboy backgrounds max is a big classic rock guy and like joe's parents are really into the folk scene and, um, just a lot of that writing style came out in that. And I would say that really the only bluegrass song that's on it is a song that Max actually wrote, the guy from Chicago, of all people. And that's um, <laughs> Smokestack. And that's really the only bluegrass song in the album. The rest of them are kind of a conglomeration of, I would say, folk and, and classic rock styles, which, in my opinion, is really just a lot of what Americana is. Yeah. These days. I mean, early rock and roll was heavily influenced by country. So For that's sure. kind of
3: where I stand with that. It's great. And um, I also you're from Telluride, right? Yeah,
2: I, I uh, grew up there and I, I left there in 2009 and I've I've been up in Bozeman
3: ever since. OK, dope. So um, how to, would like growing up in Telluride, uh, how has that influenced like your own musical? Um, like ability, not ability, but like musical, like how's that, that affected? Oh sorry, I think I I'm out of
2: I think my connection got weird for a second. I heard you. Um cut me off if I start to cut out for any means. I, I think my service is good down here, but I'm not connected to Wi-Fi. I'm just in town on my truck right now. So if the auto quality is terrible, let me know. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, growing up in Telluride definitely gave me a unique perspective and an early introduction to bluegrass music that somebody wouldn't normally get living in the Rocky Mountains uh, due sure. to the festival that's there. And it's been going on. This is 50th year. And uh, my dad actually did work for the ticketing department for that festival for like, you know, it's middle 25 years or so. So obviously. That had a mandolin in my, my hands at a pretty young age, and they didn't really force anything onto me, but it kind of stuck. I really didn't start playing it a lot until I was in college, but I think that having grown up there definitely made bluegrass not seem like a uh, a foreign sound when I first started playing it. you know when i and and when kitchen dwellers first formed almost thirteen years ago, bluegrass in Rocky Mountain and the college scenes and like younger folks it really wasn't as big as it is now at all
3: yeah
2: um so I think it takes a lot a fair amount of introduction for a lot of people to get used to freaking banjo (laughs) really um because there's a lot of stigmatism and uh and associations made with bluegrass music and the people who like it that's for sure but I think that a lot of that is changing um largely in part to people like Billy Strings who have crossed over into the, you know, the next level of things that no one has before.
3: Yeah. I think it is really interesting to see, like, I know even a lot of my coworkers at the station are like, Oh, bluegrass. Like that's interesting, but it is interesting to see how it's grown, especially since I was a kid. Cause I grew up in Texas. So bluegrass was kind of around. Um, oh yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah. Texas swing is a, is a true and legitimate style.
3: <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, This is interesting because I thought moving to Colorado that people would be or like not like be I guess I thought that there were a lot more people that would be more into bluegrass. uh, And there are for the most part, which is interesting. But there are also a lot of people that like don't really know um, Mm -hmm. what's going on there.
2: Yeah, it has its pockets, you know, of and it's bluegrass is a genre and i i think that's it really isn't restricted to bluegrass but with colorado i kind of blanket into the, the overall jam circle where like yeah you find sure. yourself in some of these uh groups of people where they talk about these genres of music like it is like the biggest most important thing in the world and it is to them but then it is still small that where you can go on to the next circle and somebody hasn't heard of who you're talking about and that that's That's a pretty unique thing. It's like people are very, very connected to it personally. And that I find very cool.
3: Yeah, that's something like I grew up with. So I was like, like my parents love bluegrass. Their parents love bluegrass. Like every adult that I was um, connected with as a child loved it. So I was like, oh, this is just a thing. People love it. And then I came up to Colorado and I was like, oh, okay. There are people that like really, really, like really, it's their whole life. And then there are people that like are not as into it. And I feel like those are kind of the two options.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely, I fully, I fully agree with that. I, uh, I kind of grew up with the same notion with that festival in town. Yeah, uh, Bluegrass as a genre to me was just like this thing that adults did.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: And uh, you know, I, I came into my own with it later on, but I definitely still have some friends that, think that as a music style it's not necessarily for them and it's kind of goofy
3: so yeah, for I sure each their own so yeah everyone's entitled to their own opinion for sure totally. um so Corey wong produced wise river how like how was that experience
2: working with Corey is amazing and intense in the yeah, best way possible he is such an intelligent and fast-thinking individual that keeping up with his pace in the studio becomes almost a task in itself. And what I think it does, though, is it prompts you to, like, get your parts down and be ready to record before you're in the studio, whereas other projects and other producers may work a little differently where the studio is more of a creative space. But, uh, you know, if you look at Corey's career, and what he, he's incredibly prolific on in what he puts out and releases and he totally believes that, you know, the space in the studio and the space on the stage, he should enter knowing how to do that stuff. You shouldn't be using it as a practice space. And I uh, definitely, uh, makes a, a record come out incredibly well and efficient. Yeah. We did that whole thing in, in four days, top to bottom. Oh, which wow. Is, uh, something that we haven't done before and probably won't be able to do again without that kind of guidance. Uh, For and that's sure. just how Corey works. And, uh, you can see it in his music he's got a thousand projects going on at all times he's got like seven touring bands at all times yeah. you know and all the solo stuff it's i don't know where the guy finds the time um at all but then when i know his personality i understand how he does yeah it, kind
3: of for yeah. sure the crazy thing about him to me is that it's all so incredibly tight like it's the fact that he's yeah. doing all those things and they're all incredible is crazy
2: yeah, he's not, uh, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, I would say.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, for sure. Uh, so I've noticed uh, that geography of like the West in Montana comes up a lot as a theme in Wise River. How has that influenced, like being in Montana influenced you guys?
2: Um, You know, I, I remember there's there's been two things that I've carried with me. From creative writing class as a kid. One I took with me long and one I was just reminded of recently by Torin. But the first one is is a vocal like write what you know. And mm-hmm. also in your writing, Torrin reminded me that the teachers always tell you to to show how it is and not tell how it is. Um so I think a lot of at least some the songs that that I've written, um and a lot of the ones that Torrin writes and Joe and uh, I definitely use a lot of geographical description to try to carry an emotional place. Um, and a lot of it can be either taken as pretty niche, or I think some people may take it as, uh, as that it's got like a sense of grandeur and uh, mysticism that the American West does still have, in my opinion, and it's had since the early transcendentalist painters even depicted it as 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 crazy um yeah but i think that i kind of i kind of still hold this uh romanticism for the places i've grown up and lived and i think that i like to share that with the rest of the the rest of the world um, mostly the country in this case but i just there's there's something special out here and i i hope it stays the way it is and i think i just I just feel that a lot. So when I write that, I think I go for a lot of uh, show, not tell. And definitely a lot of writing based off personal experiences and emotions that often take place here and might only be unique to here.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, On that kind of note, what are some of your favorite outdoor spaces near you?
2: Um, You know, we have so much. Montana has some of the largest acreages of public land that are available to people to access right behind you know utah and nevada being the most i think um it's hard to narrow it down to just a few but i would say that our local rivers in bozeman i call them the big rivers which are is the madison and and the yellowstone um those two rivers are an unbelievable source of power and and uh really just amazement. The Yellowstone is the longest undammed river in America running at 790 miles, no obstruction. It's pretty amazing. There's really nothing like that left. Um, And then the Madison River is uh, one of the main three rivers that come together to form the Missouri, which is uh, our largest river in North America or continental United States. Sorry. Uh, So those two things, I just think they they carry a lot of power for me and then uh, you know I think everybody can understand and has their own idea of what what the power of a river is
3: yeah for sure yeah the reason I ask is because I used to work in Yellowstone National Park I've spent a lot of time kind of in that area
2: you know all those things especially with those two rivers that form <laughs> really just like 20 miles apart yeah um, it's pretty incredible and then last year we had I don't know if you saw the flooding that came out of the park.
3: Yeah, I worked there
2: then. <laughs> oh, it was last year you that was, was crazy.
3: Park.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was um I I just I we parked on the side of one of the bridges and just watched that river all day. And uh there was something, you know, terrifyingly exciting about it. Yeah. While it was extremely destructive, it may have been the most exciting thing to happen here since the last time the <laughs> volcano erupted. Yeah. So sure. uh there was something fantastic about that and a staunch reminder that mother nature is still boss yeah so, and as you know yellowstone is a much wilder place than most people want to believe that it is for sure many, many problems
3: yeah i lived uh right on the river um when that was happening and me and my roommates would just go outside and watch it like rise Come like on. a little more every day and we're like, okay, when do we leave? <laughs> like, oh we man,
2: it's too bad. It, that's that's so yeah, that's wild because I mean I'm sure that it got over flood stage at forty thousand CFS and at that point people weren't really worried yet and mm-hmm. people were still rafting in Yankee Jim Canyon and kayaking <laughs> it. But once it got to fifty and above, I think people started to realize this was actually a real situation.
3: Yeah. And then it ended up crazy.
2: Yeah, that's I think good. the, the thoroughfare good. up in the Alpine of the thoroughfare saw like 300 inches of snow that year in April last year. So that's just crazy.
0: If you are just tuning in, you just heard a part of an interview with KCSU's Bailey Liverman as she sits down with Sean Swain of the Kitchen Dwellers. Up next, you can hear the second half of this interview as they go on to discuss how members of the band met one another and more. KCSU does not only provide excellent content for your airwaves, but it also provides excellent content for your internet. Go to KCSUFM.com for KCSU's latest in-studio performances, podcasts, album reviews, sports wrap-ups, and more. Go ahead and bookmark it. KCSUFM.com. If you are just tuning in, you are tuned into an interview with KCSU's Bailey Liverman as she sits down with Sean Swain, a member of the Kitchen Dwellers, as they talk about how the members of the band met and more.
3: You've been in Montana, obviously, a long time. I read that y'all like met at Montana State. Is that true?
2: Yeah, um, and it would be. I met Joe. It would be our freshman year of school, which would have been two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and then. Uh, we met Torrin the following year would have been his freshman year. And the Kitchen Dwellers kind of first well, it was like first a group of seven or eight people that played music kind of that would hang out after class in the fall of 2010. And it kind of narrowed its way down to a band over the next several months. And um and here we are like 13 years later.
3: <laughs> yeah, awesome. How was that experience like uh kind of cutting y'all's teeth around Bozeman?
2: It was great. Honestly, I, it, uh, it felt, everything felt really natural. It's kind of seemed like for a long time, we would just, we were the throwing the best parties or something, but (laughs) it's kind of, you know, the show musically, I don't think the shows were really there yet, but something about it, people still were really drawn to even then. So it was, it was really easy to, to motivate ourselves to pick up on the road and put stuff in a van and go, when it seemed like everybody here was having a really good time we're like okay yeah. so like maybe if we practice these instruments a little bit and get kind of good then maybe there was really something here um and so then we started taking things on the road and that took almost another 10 years to start getting any traction but you know there's a lot of cliche sayings about nothing happening overnight
3: that's true and
2: they're probably they're probably all true really <laughs>
3: How do you think uh, having like a slow come up um, benefited you guys?
2: Uh, I think about this a lot, actually. And I truly believe that it's given us the space and time to get better to where we're getting the opportunities now that I don't think we would have wanted five or six years ago because maybe we wouldn't have musically been at the place where where it was appropriate to be there. So I honestly think the growth has happened incredibly naturally as it should. Because when we all started playing, really, none of us really knew our instruments too well. So uh, we're still kind of learning. And and the band grows as we learn. And it's kind of cool to watch as individuals we get better, the band gets better, and it seems to draw more people. And it's it's a direct correlation, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Everything works out just how it's supposed to, yeah?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I've always had a problem in my life trying to rush the results of things and uh, i'm learning slowly as i get older and i think probably many people do that that's really just not how life yeah. works and that's not how life rewards you appropriately either so the longer not necessarily the longer but the the harder and more devoted you are to working at something and give it the appropriate amount of time for it to develop on its own probably the more likely you are to be rewarded i think or in in a longevity's sake probably be able to do it for a longer time
3: Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, So we kind of touched on this earlier about um, like traditional bluegrass versus like its confluence with like the jam band scene. And uh, so bluegrass has changed a lot over the last few decades. Um, And how has that affected you as a band?
2: It's given. It's uh, well, you know, there's there's many sides to that coin many edges to that sword if you will because people use it for fighting more than they use it for agreeing um but people can be really snobby about what is and what isn't bluegrass and i've been guilty of it myself and i'm and i'm still kind of guilty of it and because i'm staunch and i tell people that kitchen dwellers are not really a bluegrass band we're influenced by all things bluegrass and we play bluegrass oriented music and instruments but very few of our original songs are actually bluegrass songs Um, and that comes from a place of that snobbiness, it really does, Uh, but, so, I would like to believe that uh, maybe, bluegrass is just such a niche, niche little, tiny little thing, and very specific musically, what makes it that way, and I I would just rather say that what most folks think is bluegrass is probably Americana, and that's fine, and the more popular that gets, the more of a platform kitchen dwellers get to stand upon. Um, but I just wish that there would be a lot less uh, just weirdness from that come out of some of those circles that are actually really bluegrass. Some yeah. of those, they they look down at all the things that say they're bluegrass. And I can understand it. It's like somebody's, you know, you're on one team and somebody's wearing your shirt, but doesn't know any of the players or something. Mm-hmm. It's But nobody means it with ill intent. This is all just love for music. So, in my opinion, the spillage over into other genres from it is largely good for even the small niche because it's still giving that small genre of what actually is bluegrass a platform as well. And without the growth and the progression of expansion of things that aren't necessarily bluegrass but can be be considered it, that, that little tiny little niche genre we're talking about would probably die out because it is old. And it... And it didn't ever make anybody any money. And the sad yeah. truth of the music business, those are the genres that carry on.
3: For sure. Yeah. My opinion on it is that um genre is overrated. And that uh, yeah. if you enjoy music, you enjoy music and you might as well have fun with it.
2: Exactly. I think that's very true. And that's like, that's part of how I lead it when I tell people we're not, or, you know, it's actually how I follow it. I'm like, you know, I, uh, yeah we're not really bluegrass uh and this is why bluegrass is is specifically this and the source of if you could give it a webster definition um and we don't really do that but then that being said who really has to pigeonhole anything anyways unless you want to be you know some of those niche bluegrass they they want to be staunchly bluegrass and they don't want to be anything else and they're amazing players and musicians and those shows are awesome but sadly you go to them there's not usually very many people there to see them yeah Sure. I think that's in any walk of life, when you narrow yourself down to too many ideals, you don't reach that many people.
3: For sure. Kind of going on the like pickier side of things, bluegrass does have a lot of subgenres. Do you have any like favorites?
2: Um, You know, I, I think that the uh, the new grass sub- subgenre that kind of came around in the 70s is probably where the closest thing in bluegrass to what we are yeah. and definitely it's like that's like what billy strings plays that's you know that's that's what yonder was playing that's what leftover sam plays a lot of the time i'd say that's my favorite that's like taking bluegrass style bluegrass intricacies and harmonies and riffs that you would play in bluegrass songs and adding the kind of tempo swings and mashes that you would in a bluegrass song but just like making it rock <laughs> and to me that that's the best <laughs> in my like, yeah, i like that the most uh, so for me it's you know it's sam bush for sure he's the guy
1: yeah
3: for sure there are a lot of i think every not every bluegrass fan but i think a lot of bluegrass fans kind of like make up their own little like word for what they are and i've heard you guys describe yeah. it as galaxy grass a lot yeah
2: yeah I, I came from a friend of ours up in montana named ryan he came up with that term term a long time ago and i can't actually remember if he was used he, he might have used it to get to to describe another band and somebody <laughs> was like no that's that's actually these guys
3: <laughs> that's funny um
2: yeah it's yeah, just kind of if you took Bluegrass into outer space, I suppose.
3: Yeah, which I thought that was really funny when y'all were playing with Daniel Donato because aren't they the Cosmic Country Band and then you Galaxy yep. Grass?
2: Yeah, it was a match made in space.
3: <laughs> um, so here, now we're getting into... Actually, no, we'll talk about Winter Wondergrass first. So how I get to interview cool. you is that um someone reached out uh, asking if we wanted to cover... Um, Winter Wondergrass and I was like yeah so tell me about well, Winter Wondergrass have you ever played there before like what's the deal
2: yeah we've with this coming up one will be like our man our, no, our fourth time maybe our fifth time playing a Winter Wondergrass festival I could even be more than that uh, we love Winter Wondergrass the, the guy who owns and puts on the whole event Scotty Stoughton is a dear friend of ours and an amazing human Um he is he's kind of one of those people that when you meet him you're like holy cow this guy was put on this earth to make it a better place
3: just yeah. people are
2: just happier and that's kind of how that festival is it, that energy radiates through the whole thing and that's not only because of the vibes of the amazing people that t- attend it he also runs it incredibly well and everything is set up for ultimate convenience and is, Really, which is paramount when some of the some of the, <laughs> the events of the steamboat one could be well below zero. So yeah. uh, I, it it just everything just runs so smoothly, and it surprises me all the time that it can run like that when it is negative five out and you know yeah. tramples up their play and they're freezing their asses off, but they're smiling because everyone's happy to be playing Wonder, Wonder Gus because you get treated well, it runs smooth, and the audience is the best it really can be. I mean, there's not. There's not a whole lot of a a higher vibe than a bunch of people stoked on winter at a ski town.
3: Yeah. Uh this is gonna be my first Winter Wonder Grass this year. I just was curious about the deal.
2: Awesome. I would bring I I would wear some insulated mock boots or something. I see a (laughs) lot of cold feet there from people who forget about boots.
3: Yeah, for sure. I will keep that in mind. Um, have you ever played the Tahoe Winter Wonder
2: It's a month, it's a month later. yeah. Yeah, the Tahoe one is really fun and it's a lot less wintery. It's in usually in April, so uh it's pretty springy and it always sells out. So when you have a bluebird day main stage set right at the bottom of the tram at Squaw Valley, they're actually gosh, they changed the name of the mountain. I can't remember what it's called, the Palisades Mountain now in California. Um it's just another unmatchable vibe. It's six thousand people, bluebird spring days in the mountains, you know, alpine. High peaks, white snow, warm days, good music. That's uh they're both just awesome. There there was one in Vermont one year too, and it's oh, really? uh happening again. But that yeah. you know, each one has its own special vibe. It's Vermont, Colorado, and California. So three places that have a uh um a pretty unique identity and special identity of their own.
3: For sure. And I also know that uh, River Wondergrass has been running the last couple of years. Didn't you all play last year?
2: Yeah, so we're doing that. We did that last year. We're doing it again this year. Our our trip sold out very fast, which is fun.
3: I bet, Um, yeah.
2: Scotty comes on that with us. And uh, all of us in Montana are, you know, they're in the band here. We all have our own rafts and stuff. So we do a lot of river trips on our own. So to get to do that for work is One of the coolest things you could possibly do, sure. and the stretches that they run down the gates of Lodore on the Green River is a, a highly sought after boat boating permit. And I had actually been wanting to go for many seasons just yeah. to float it, and I never really pulled it off. So, the fact that we just now can do that and have done it two years in a row is uh, it's kind of mind blowing to me. It's amazing.
3: yeah, it's the my four, best
2: experiences for bands and artists, yeah.
3: For sure, my family used to run that stretch every year. Uh, it's a great oh, awesome. other piece of river. That's yeah, it is. Be, uh,
2: it it really is hard to top in in terms of something being spectacular. And last year, well, it's it's you know it's kind of a a bad thing because they're they have to refill like pal and stuff because there's no yeah. water left. So they're flowing out of Flaming Gorge Dam heavily, and the flows were up like a thousand from normal last year, which you made it a really great time the whole the whole week
3: <laughs> for sure there are of course the ecological like ah this is super yeah. fun but like uh, sucks <laughs> that this has to be happening
2: yeah um, and so hopefully this winter this is looking like a much better winter across the oh yeah
3: for a, sure a lot of
2: places i know we're sitting at 120% of our annual snowpack right now and none of it's yeah. melting because it doesn't get warm so i hope that uh carries on through
3: that's how we are that's how we are in Colorado it's like ah do I want to go to school or like I could just (laughs) go skiing right now if I wanted to
2: that was that's why I never finished college at MSU in Bozeman basically just that
3: (laughs) if I was at MSU I would not still be in school (laughs)
0: And a big thank you to Bailey Liverman for giving us an insight into Sean Swain of The Kitchen Dwellers. If you missed any part of that interview, you can head to caseusufm.com under the news drop down, or you can find the RMR broadcast on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Now on to national news with Lisa Mpell.
1: Yo,
4: this song slaps. Who is this? Glass cases, and they're local. I surrender.
1: Yo, this slaps, who is this? Plasma Campus, they're local too. Yo, dude, this freaking slaps, like, who is this? This is Zerk, and I know they're local!
3: Your new favorite band is right in your backyard. Find them here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
1: In national news, this week could be a pivotal one for student loan borrowers who have been waiting for updates on President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Partial or complete debt forgiveness for over 40 million Americans is a complicated topic with both strong approval and opposition. The plan has been on hold since its announcement last August. Cases brought from six GOP-led states that challenge Biden's plan have been scheduled to be heard by the Supreme Court today. If you want to listen to the hearings and stay up to date on any updates surrounding Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, audio and transcripts are available to the public on the Supreme Court's website, which is supremecourt.gov. Contribution to this update comes from AP News. The man who was thought to be Colorado's oldest living veteran just turned 108. Harold Nelson celebrated his birthday on Saturday in Aurora. His family, friends, and other veterans were there. He was given presents and military gifts. According to Fox 31 News, Nelson was awarded the Silver Star at Fort Carson last year. During his service in World War II, he made six landings and ended up traveling from North Africa to Anzio, Italy. His unit saw over 600 days of combat in total. Nelson was shot three times and had a grenade thrown at him, but those are only a couple of his most dangerous experiences. On Saturday, he said, quote, for an old guy, I'm pretty good. He said it felt amazing to be with his family and friends. My name is Lee Impel, and that's all for national news. Next are your updates My on Sports. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your
4: Armar Sports Report. In track and field news, the women's team won the Indoor Mountain West Field Championship this weekend out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the head coach has been named the Indoor Coach of the Year for the Mountain West. Congratulations, everyone. In men's basketball news, the team won their most recent game against Wyoming here in Fort collins 84 to 71 in the border war. They will be facing off against San Jose State later this week and finishing off their regular season against New Mexico here in Fort Collins. In women's basketball, the team lost to Wyoming in Wyoming 60 to 76 and will be facing off against Boise State later this week to finish up their season before heading off to the Mountain West next weekend. In women's softball news, the team competed in the Texas State Tournament, where they won against UT Arlington, lost both times against Texas State, lost against Kansas, and won both times against UTSA. Their next set of matches will be the GCU Invitational, where they will be facing GCU and Albaline Christian before starting their season here in Fort Collins. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Sport.
0: I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, February 28th. We are almost at the end of February. This year is just flying. As for today, it was an interesting one in Fort Collins from a white out snow condition on campus, then back to full sunshine with no traces of snow in a matter of minutes. But hey, that is Colorado for you. Tonight, you can expect temps to drop to a high of 21 degrees with clear to partly cloudy skies and winds moving west at 10 to 20 miles. Miles per hour. I don't know about you, but I am ready for the wind to go away, but it doesn't look like it's going to let up anytime soon. Wednesday will give us a high of 37 degrees with mostly cloudy skies and temps dropping to a high of 21 later on Wednesday night. As for Thursday, you will see a few passing clouds throughout the day, otherwise it will generally be pretty sunny here in Fort Collins. You can expect Thursday winds moving east at about 5 to 10 miles per hour. As for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune into the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU weather report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damian Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. I would also like to thank Lisa Mpell, our news producer, Adam Carlson, as well as the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section, or you can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we will see you next time.